Hey everyone, how are you doing? My name is Ricky Rigolato, the founder of Route the Service Platform. It's a sales platform for the commercial cleaning services industry. I am also the owner of Rosalato Services, a family-owned commercial cleaning company. So welcome to Cleaning and Cocktails, a show where I get the opportunity to sit down with cleaning industry experts and share stories, talk shop about the industry. So grab your cocktail, listen in, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome. This is another episode of Cleaning and Cocktails, uh, you know, where I get to speak to industry experts and just talk shop on, on the industry that has been so good to me. I know so good to everybody else here listening to. I've got the pleasure of talking shop with two individuals that have made a big impact on this industry. Um, Doc here from Doc Facilities. I've gotten to know through the ISSA shows. Jordan, uh, we're good friends. We've gotten to know each other because You'll get to learn a little bit more about him and you know how we've learned to get to know each other. Um, but what I wanted to do is first give you guys some time to introduce yourselves and let everybody know who you are, what you do, um, and just give us a little bit of story and a background on you guys. So Doc, I'll start with you first. All right, well, I am divorced. Uh, started my own janitorial company seven and a half years ago, been in the industry over 35 years. Um, years ago, about seven years ago, I went to the ISSA, one of the train the trainer meetings and thought I was going to ace my scores and get my certifications in the cleaning world. And when I got there, I thought I knew everything and realized I knew nothing. So I've, uh, I've spent like the last seven years really redefining myself, my company. And when we started Docs Facility Solutions, it was more about cleaning from the health standpoint as opposed to the appearance cleaning that has been the way that most quotes and jobs are. And lo and behold, hey, we have a pandemic and it's, you know, part of it's because so many of us in this industry have been trained incorrectly over the years. And some of the super bugs that are out there, I'm not even talking Corona-19, I mean, COVID-19 or the coronavirus, but, um, some of the super bugs are because we live in a spray and wipe world and it's not how you kill anything, you know, and green cleaning where, Oh, we can't kill anything. Well, that's what disinfectants do. They have to kill to be effective. Um, and the reason why I got into that was because my, uh, my middle son, uh, a little over 19 years ago was diagnosed as broad spectrum autistic. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, there wasn't a lot known about it. So, because I was in the cleaning industry, I had them test my blood to see if it was anything that I had passed on to him. And they said, no, not at all. Would it really, you know, you didn't pass anything, but you have more chemicals in your body than an embalmed body. And that's when I realized that I had to really protect myself and those around me, including my children. So that's part of why I've gotten into this industry. And then, uh, Ricky, you were asking me, you know, why the name Doc? Uh, is this PG version or? Wait it out. Did you say what you want? So, so my father, and today, today, believe it or not, is the anniversary of his death. So, 16 years ago today, my father passed away, and he was my hero. And um, 
he used to tell me all the time that a person's name is the most important thing that there is, the most beautiful words ever said. He said, and everybody calls us by the wrong last name. Our last name's Craddock. He says, most of the time people call us Dax, Dex, Ducks, and most of the time Dicks, and we're not Dicks, we're Docs. <laughs> so when I started this company up, it was more or less to kind of, you know, remember my father and everything that he stood for because he was a, a man of integrity. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I mm-hmm. appreciate it. Uh, Jordan, let everybody know who you are, my man. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, are you able to hear background noise? If, if you do, I can change locations. I've got some, a window outside and there's cars going by. So if nah, you're good. It's a problem. Just let me know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, doc, thanks, man. That's, uh, I, I want to reiterate or second this idea of the, the notion of legacy and that sort of thing. Um, cause there's a similar type of heritage here in that, um, my, my situation is different in, and so I'm a third generation owner in the company France building services. Um, we're based out of Kentucky and, um, our company has offices in, in, three states and uh but it was a company my grandparents started and they were really poor and but people of integrity and really hard work and uh, my granddad was in the army and my grandmother was a german immigrant but didn't have a pot to pee in you know sort of thing and and they just worked really hard and you know they never saw my granddad passed away in 2000 and, and really never got to see any major fruits of his labor so the company um, had just reached a million dollars in total revenue after like 15 years of labor and, and when he passed away and, um, you know, if only he could see what has happened since then, uh, you know, would just tickle me to death for him to know that. But so, um, so yeah, there is a similar sort of feel here that, that we're, we're standing on the shoulders and trying to emulate some, some virtues and things that have been passed down to us as well. And, uh, and that's good, man. That's part of what families are for. Uh, and why they're good for society. So, um, but my name's Jordan and I've got, I'm married and I've got five kids. Um, and they're all young. And with this, uh, pandemic, they're all at home and my wife's about to go crazy. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> anyway, and our, our company, you know, Doc, you mentioned a little bit more health related cleaning and, um, and ours is going to be a little bit more traditional in that, um, our focus is, uh, it's going to be more traditional cleaning and we're going to be in what I would consider more traditional spaces. So we're going to be in commercial, large commercial manufacturing, education, medical facilities. Um, so nothing really out of the ordinary, out of the box. And then, and then as an aside, so in addition to that, Ricky had mentioned, I do some other things. So I, I, off, I also do some coaching consulting and, and run an, an online mastermind group for janitorial business owners. Um, and been doing that for about three years now. And uh, there's about a hundred or so owners in that group and, uh, and Ricky's part of it. And so it's just, you know, you mentioned the ISSA show and one of the motivations behind starting the group was just being able to connect with others and learn with others and from others. Um, you know, and then also, and Ricky, you've done a lot of this too, like just being an open book to others, like just cause there's so much we can learn from each other, like just sharing our mistakes, just being, you know, there's no like real big secrets that any of us have, right? It's all relationships and working hard. And, um, and so, you know, as long as I don't share my client names and how much I bill them, like you can basically, look at what you want. You know, there's nothing to hide. Yeah. So that's the uh, other thing I do. So, um, well, thank you. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate that. Uh, I mean, you just nailed a great 
piece of information that I, you know, a lot of the listeners in the audience, just to give you guys some, some um, background on cleaning and cocktails, uh, we, you know, we're doing this to empower the small business industry. Not that I'm, I'm trying to neglect the larger size cleaning companies and, and facilities companies, uh, but it's, it's, there's 35,000 new cleaning businesses that start every year. Uh, but the turnover is almost just as high, right? Like they, you know, people will start the business, think it's easy, think it's a, you know, it's a low cost entry um, vertical to get into, but it's, there's a lot of trials and tribulation. There's a, it's tough. It's not easy to start a cleaning business because you still have to know business too. So mm-hmm. I think that's when you say legacy, you know, you're a third generation. That's amazing. I, I actually forgot. I thought it was second gen, third generation. That's even more of an accomplishment, right? Is it's been going for so long and you're right. Your grandfather isn't here to see some of those. So, you know, where you guys gotten to right now, right? Which is pretty amazing. So we'll get more into the growth of the business and your tactics and strategies. Um, and we'll emphasize on training a lot here because I think training is something you guys both do very well. So, but let's get back to before cleaning. You know, Jordan, we'll start with you. Like, did you did, it, did you just out of high school get into the cleaning business with the family or was there another, did you take a different route? Yeah, man, I always wanted to be a cleaner. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, actually, it's fine. It's, it's a really, I'm glad you asked that question because the more people you talk to, you realize like no one, almost no one intentionally got into this industry, yeah. right? And, and that's part of the beauty of it. And so me, I was an arrogant jerk of a teenager and I'm sure I gave my parents fits and they made me clean and do things to make money, you know, because they were good parents and they made me pay bills and, you know, pay for my car and that sort of thing. And I hated it. It was embarrassing to me, you know, all those things. And, um, and so I ended up going to college. I ran cross country and, um, and I ran in college as well. And I went to a, a school in Tennessee called Tennessee Tech University. And it's a small D1 college and uh, got my degree in civil engineering and, uh, and about halfway through my degree program, I was like, man, this is not what I want to do the rest of my life. Um, but you know, it's like, it's like getting all the way through med school, you know, it's like, well, crap, like I'm already in, like, I can't just like, you know, waste all this time. So yeah. I went, like, completed my degree. Um, but I knew I wanted to do something in business, like something entrepreneurial, something where I could lead, manage, you know, something besides sitting and designing roads and bridges and sewer systems and you know all that kind of stuff so uh so yeah i worked for a small construction company out of college and uh got to be around some really cool people there it was in nashville and um and i got married right out of college as well and you know during that time i started reading a lot i used to hate reading but i started listening to like dave ramsey and zig ziglar and some other really entrepreneurial type people they just were really inspiring to me and i thought that man these are really good men um, they're doing a lot of really cool, noble things. And it was just exciting. I was like, man, I want to, gosh, like I'm just a really ambitious person. I'm just yeah. wired that way. Like I just, I'm restless. Like I just love going out and trying things. And so they just gave me a hunger for wanting to do that. Like I just was not content to be sitting, doing one thing for a long time. And it's just the way I'm wired. Not everybody's wired that way. And thank God that they're not, you know, the world would be a mess if it was nothing yeah. but it's like we would just screw everything up. <laughs> we have a million good solutions and we, we wouldn't have the ability to carry any of them out. Um, and so my, my dad came to me and said, hey, you know, we'd like for you to become, to, to join the business. We feel like you've got some skill sets that, you know, 
you could offer and just help us grow. And my dad was humble enough to be like, Hey, I've grown the company a little bit, you know, and I really, I feel like I'm kind of tapped out and I don't really know how to take it further. Would you come and help us? So he's like, I'll just match whatever they're paying you, which wasn't a lot. Uh, and so my wife and I moved back to our smaller town and I had no job description. I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, and neither did my dad. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, that's how I got into it. Um, and, um, and over the years I, I went from bit, still being a little bit embarrassed about it. Okay. So it's kind of pride in me coming out. Like I just, it was not sexy. Um, and you know, um, so, but over the years I've grown to really enjoy it and it's been good for me and my family and for the people that work here. And I'm, I'm very proud to be a part of this industry and in my company and, you know, it's shame on me for my views in the past. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more as far as no. it's not, it's not glamorous, right? It's not, but, but it doesn't need to be right. Or we can make it glamorous the way we, we run the day to day or operate the business. Um, Doc, you mentioned why you got into, you know, the cleaning industry a little bit, but what about beforehand? Like what led to, believe it or not, I've been in this all my life. That's um, right. You did say 36 years, right? Yeah. Jordan, this guy's been in this for 36 years. <laughs> <laughs> I just look young, good genes. <laughs> but like Jordan, I'm very, you know, humble about, you know, my early days in this industry. I too, I went to college uh, out of high school and I went to some community schools because I was a young, actually when I started college, I was 17. So I was a young 17. I wasn't you know, mature because of where my birthday fell. Um, so I really you know, needed the support of my parents. So I went to a small two-year school and then I went to a four-year college. It took me five years to, to go through college. I, my parents uh, were not wealthy. Uh, like Jordan, you know, my, my uh, background, you know, I'm German, you know, hardworking and Irish. My father's German and Irish. My mother's all German. And they taught us so many, you know, the value of hard work. You know, you put in an honest day's pay. I mean, an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. And as my father used to tell me, and he used to have, he had a learning disability. He was very dyslexic and he could hardly read. And yet he'd dress in a shirt and tie for his job at Eastman Kodak Company every day. And it wasn't because he had a shirt and tie job. He said, you dress for where you want to end up and you act that way. Hence, now you see why, you know, I have the, the feeling that I do that my, you know, my dad's hard work ethic and he was my hero. Um, and I did. I started cleaning at our church at the age of 14 for 25 cents an hour. Uh, I'd clean the, the church itself. I'd also clean the, uh, the front office area. Um, I went on to work at a small store in our uh, small town called Spencerport in New York and worked for one of the local five and dime stores. And part of my duties incorporated having to do uh, the cleaning and then going to college. And I got married right out of college and I couldn't afford the mortgage. So my cousin had worked for a large janitorial contractor and they had been after me for quite a while to come join them. So that's really where I got my first exposure to, you know, heavy duty commercial cleaning. And at the age of 23, I was an operations manager for them with over 350 people working for me. 
Wow. And um, I thought I was the cat's, you know, pajamas back then, so to say. Um, probably not as cocky and stuff. I was very introverted as a, a youngster. Uh, left to there to go work for a friend of mine who started a cleaning business. And I helped them start it from the ground up. Um, and I realized how much I enjoyed doing those types of things. And I worked for him for, oh gosh, I think 14 years before I left. And uh, I, I went to a franchise. And when I got interviewed for that job as the director, um, one of my questions was, you know, is this what you are? And he said, no. I said, okay. And I, I got to admit, he wasn't what my question was, but he was a lot worse. And uh, I ended up getting let go. And because I was older in the industry, nobody wanted to hire me for my knowledge. Um, everybody wanted me to come in as entry-level employee. And I'm like, I haven't spent 20 plus, almost 30 years in this industry, you know, to start out at, at the, you know, the base ground again. So I, uh, I cashed out my 401k and I started this company seven and a half years ago. And uh, I haven't really regretted my decision at all. Uh, and like Jordan, when I got out of college, I remember the first night working at that uh, larger janitorial firm and I'm walking with a restroom cart and I saw some people that I graduated from high school with and my head immediately went down. I felt like it was a shame, you know, but I've realized, like Jordan, that this is a great industry. And, and seeing both of you much younger than myself, I'm so happy to see so many young people are looking for this as a future. And, you know, it's very empowering. And I bet you both that with what's going on in the world today, everything that you have learned via book learning, everything that you have learned going into all of this um, with managing a people, it, it, it's beyond that, you know, our, our community has been hit hard with this because I'm from New York state. I mean, we were the first state to shut down. We're still shut down and it's frustrating to see a lot of other states opening and 90% of my clients were deemed unessential. So they're all at home. So how do you replace that much work? And I have, I've worked my tail off to, to, you know, keep all my staff working, and, you know, grow. So that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that, Doc. I mean, uh, you know, Jordan, we are, you know, I, you could say we're the younger versions, right, right now in this space. But I got to say, as, I, as I'm on Facebook, as I'm at the shows, as I am in networking events, it's, it's, I'm seeing a lot more people wanting to get into the service space in the service industry because I, I, there's no prerequisite, right? It's, and, you know, not, nobody goes to school for cleaning, Right, but they go to business school, you know, they and if they go to school if, for it, <laughs> yeah, it's true, right? Yeah, but it's so like I wanted to, to, to quickly touch back on before we get into some training questions and, and operational stuff is Jordan, uh, family business legacies, right? So I'm in the same boat as far as I'm, I'm building first gen business here myself, but you following in the steps of your father and grandfather, you know, there's a lot of these assumptions of, you know, family business is tough. And, you know, why would you want, I would never build a business with my family. I bet you, you share the same sentiments as me is I wouldn't have it any other way as far as, you know, yes, there's a lot of turmoil, but what do you think are, you know, cause there's, there's going to be a lot of people listening and, and people in the, in, in the industry that, you know, they got a cousin, a father, an uncle, a sister, a wife, 
husband that they say, do you want to do this? Should we do it? That's how me and my wife did it. You know, she was my girlfriend. We quit our jobs together to do this. What's your, what's your advice on family business? What makes your business work? Yeah. Um, in this sense. So, I, so let me, doc, one of the things you said that I love, man, is that the, the risk that you took and, and man, like that just inspires me so much. And it was really, to be honest, it's a risk that I didn't take. I didn't have to put everything on the line for me. Um, and so one of the blessings of being in a multi-general basic business is that I didn't have to do that. So I, <clears throat> I'm literally able to stand on the risks that somebody else took. Right. And, and so when you think about, you know, so there's a few things that play here. And as we talked about the younger people in the generation and it being a, a good industry to be in. So like there's this idea that, um, you know, that there's, number one, that all work is good and noble work. And so like being, so when, when you're doing something multi-generationally, you're creating a legacy in your family Mm -hmm. and really for the the team that you're building up and you're, you're, you're kind of displaying that culture that, Hey, you know, we're providing a good service and this is honorable, good work, you know? And so there's, there begins to be a legacy that just because I had an education did not mean that I was any better than my dad or my granddad, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And Tom has taught me that. Um, and so that can be good. So there's a ton of, so as I think about like the, the benefits, okay, we'll talk about some benefits, maybe some drawbacks and how we've overcome them. But some of the benefits of that, like just the ability to shape your family tree is one and so on so many levels. So like the ability to, you know, teach and train your kids about and, and, and whoever's involved in the business, just about what it means to make money and what it means to serve people and what it means to work hard and what it means to take risks. And, you know, all of those things um, can be a really good thing. Um, and then, you know, as for our family, we were always really close. Okay. And so, um, my parents displayed that same sort of closeness. My parents had a really good marriage. And so they had a good work balance and home balance. And my mom's philosophy and my dad too, has always been our family relationships matter more than anything else, more than money or anything else. And we're just never going to let that get in the way. So, if it means we can't work together, it'll mean we can't work together. If it means that I'm going to give up some money in order to make sure we can eat dinner together on Sunday, that's what we're going to do. And we're just not going to fight about work. And I swear to you in the, in the 12 years that I've been here, we have not fought. Um, and we've had some disagreements or whatever, but like we just have prioritized that. And so I, I think if that can be done well and the relationships are strong and the priorities are right, Cause you know, there's the old classic saying that comes out of the Bible that the love of money is the root of all evil. Right. And so if, if that creeps in, in the business and you care more about the money than the relationships, man, you are going to torpedo. You're going to yeah. burn. Right? Without a doubt. Yeah. And so I think if the relationships are strong, I think it's awesome. Um, but also I think it's something else that was important is my parents recognized and, and I see it too, that there has to be a chain of command. And so we have to realize that we're equal and we all have the same dignity, but at the workplace, there's a chain of command and we're going to file in. So when I came and worked, like I said, you know, I honored my father, you know, and even now, even though I'm co-owners with my parents, I still, as my parents would honor them in a situation. And so, you know, and I'm lucky or I'm say we're fortunate in that we don't have a lot of other relatives in the business. So it hadn't got, you know, real dicey, but we still had to work out things because my parents now have a certain net worth and my siblings don't work in the business. And, 
you know, my parents feel obligated to them in some sort of way. So we've had to navigate some waters, but um, so family businesses can be a train wreck. Um, and, and I would say if you feel like it's headed down that road, then you should avoid it. But it can also be a huge blessing and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I love my parents and I love our family business. And it's just been a huge blessing. Uh, I think it's great. And I love that you're that way. I love when I go to the shows and I see you and every (laughs) there and, and I just love that man. And one of the things that I think it's something that, you know, this is a pro immigration moment here, but like the Hispanic community has, has strong family values and our, our culture needs that. And I think I love that you guys bring that to the table in the workplace. I think it's awesome. And I would love to see, see more of that. So, Oh man, we've got, when you talk about family, I've got 17 family members in, in, in the business. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it, what it does too, is it allows everybody to wear multiple hats. So I think that's the biggest sense of respect that a lot of my family members that come into the business that they see is, damn, Rick, you know, you, you didn't just rise to the top or your, your wife or your cousin or, you know, our brother or everybody has to do the work. You know, nobody, nobody gets a free ride to a management position. I even hate the word manager. Like to me, everybody in our, we've taken the word manager out of every business card and everybody has the word leader behind it. Cause what manage you're, you're maintaining business leading leader, you're leading the forefront. So I've taken the word manager out of a lot of different uh, titles because uh, titles too. It's like, what is a title? I mean, I, you know, it's, it gets, and that's what I've taught my family. I've, I've had cousins and, and uncles and, you know, we've had those issues where we, we fight, but like Jordan, like you said, we fight for a moment, you know, tomorrow I'm, I'm the biggest, I forgive everybody. I mean, I, you're my best friend with 30 minutes. I forget about the fight. That's like one thing my wife laughs. She's like, Rick, how do you forget about the issue we just had 20 minutes ago? I'm like, babe, I, I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. Like, I already moved past that. So, I mean, that's different traits for different people. But uh, next topic, and now I want to get into the meat and potatoes of, of the conversation because I think you guys have a lot of uh, knowledge in the, in the training sense where I don't think cleaning businesses can grow if they don't get the training and they don't get the people right. So, uh, Doc, you, you've got all these acronyms behind your name. <laughs> you know, give us a little background on, you know, and you said the train the trainer and, you know, you go to the ISSA yeah. show and CMI. Uh, um, what, what do, is it, you know, is it like going back to school or is it just oh, yeah. dedication for you to like give, give people that don't know what it is to get certified in some of these areas? What is that like? Right. How do they do it? What's the resources that are out there? Okay. So I do a lot with the ISSA. I'm one of their master trainers as well. So I do a lot of teaching of their practices and we use all of the ISSA practices within my own organization as well. They're, they're one platform that's out there. There's many others. And then you asked about the acronyms like the, the CPT. That's a certified uh, professional trainer. And that means that you've gone through the ISSA's train the trainer and they teach you to be a trainer and how to set up a room for maximum training, uh, different icebreakers that you're able to use, training techniques, understanding that not everybody needs to be trained on everything. Uh, If you have a strong inspection program, you're able to target because one thing in our industry, 
uh, particularly with all of us being in the commercial janitorial world, is that there's not a lot of time to train because a lot of our clients want stuff done at bare minimum. And most of what goes into our, our bid package is the labor. So you sometimes it's maybe 10 or 15 minutes you have at a time. So taking that class, you're able to take a 36-hour class and you can break it up over the course of a year and teach it in smaller morsels so that people understand. Um, the ICE is an industry certified expert. That was also through the ISSA. Um, very intense to show that you're above and beyond other individuals. The CAP, that's a certified audit professional, which is another program through the ISSA. Because when you go out and inspect a building, you want to make sure that you have it so that you and anybody else that works for you, that your scores are all within a certain deviation of each other. You shouldn't have a person going in and inspecting your building and have it at 100% and another person going and have it at a 60%. When you, when you do your grading, they should be within a very close parameter to each other. Otherwise, people aren't looking at the right things. And in it, you're looking for the old dirt, not the new dirt. So if you walk in maybe two hours after a business opens and you see some hole punches on the floor, right near you know a secretarial station or a... Um, copy center or something like that, it may tell you that, okay, that just happened because maybe they pulled some recycling out. Um, but if you find it all, you know, up under the edges of the equipment and along the corners and edges, well, now, now that's a service issue. So that's old dirt. Um, so those are what is behind the acronyms or um, behind my name. Um, and then I think, uh, so then before we get to Jordan real quick too, is doc, you, you said something to me earlier about consulting. Yep. So are you also and have a I, consulting service? I have a consulting, Docs Facilities Consulting. So I do a lot of the ISSA training through it, but with this uh, pandemic, I've even had other organizations come to me and say, can you put a training program for us, for our industry, to keep our people safe and show them how to use the personal protective equipment? Because I was almost appalled when I was watching a news show a couple, uh, maybe a month ago. They said, yeah, nobody knew what PPE is. PPE <laughs> is? Come on. Um, and, and the whole thing about I had posted something and I got nearly 10,000 views in regards to don't mix these chemicals. Because everybody thinks that they're super ingredients, so to say. But yes, training is so important. I have that side. I help other small businesses like Jordan does. I have people, I've even had people fly in from Nigeria to take my class, Belgium, uh, Australia. So I have people come from all around the globe, which uh, I feel very humbled by because if you ask most of the people around the Rochester, New York area, just say I'm the fat guy, uh, you know, in Rochester, New York. You know, I'm no different than anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> love that. Yeah. And I can't even really say that now because I've lost 59 pounds since September of last year. So, I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so like this, is, and this is why I, I love doing this, too, is I, I like to bring people together, too, because I think, Doc, you said you and Jordan uh, knew of each other, but I don't think you guys have ever really met. And then Jordan, I thought his perspective on the way he approaches training is a great segue to you know, Doc, you mentioned ISSA a lot. Um, I know me and Jordan met each other at BSCAI, and there's that whole other aspect too. But right. Jordan also has a, a training platform that I'll let 
you know, Jordan talk about where one he's well. really focused. Yeah, he's really focusing on training. And I, Jordan, I want you to kind of let me, you know, and I know you came from the way you guys operate within France building, but yeah, look, you're empowering the industry too to share that knowledge, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I, I appreciate that. It sounds like I need Doc to host one of our webinars here coming up. <laughs> uh, ring, man, I think you got a lot of type stuff. So it's interesting. So I, I'm glad you paired us together because I think Doc and I have probably, as we think about training, two different perspectives, probably that come out of our strengths. Mm-hmm. So I hate the thought of the technical side of training. Like I can't. Love it. <laughs> and, uh, and so for me, one of the things I realized early on, and so early on, I would be like, oh, that's just not really that important. <laughs> you know? And we got other more important things to do, like, you know, make sure customers happy, get new sales in the door, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but we can't neglect, you know, all the aspects of our business are important to make it run well. Right. And so for me, I had to bring people on my team that were good at that and were, were wired and gifted more in that direction and more methodical than myself to be able to bring that sort of thing about. And, uh, and so interesting, Ricky, you mentioned people too. And I think people is important in this as specifically as we think about our leaders in the organization. Um, so an approach that we've taken. So I would say that really we've been a little bit weak in terms of, uh, technical training in terms of a formal process, but where we've been strong is building a, um, a mentoring type culture here. So we've really worked hard to get the kind of leaders on our team that we call them humble blue collar professionals. <laughs> so they're the kind of people that can, you know, talk to a customer well, but they're, they're not afraid to get their hands dirty and they really care about people. And so they really invest time with them um, to help train them and nurture friendships with them and all that sort of thing. Uh, and a classic example of this is we have a lady who used to run an addiction recovery program that's now one of our managers. And one of her employees who's now been promoted with us, her babysitter fell through and she couldn't get to work that day. And this manager went home and watched her kids for her so she could go to work and make money. Wow. You know, someone like that, you think, oh my gosh, you are amazing. And, you know, you obviously can't do that for everybody, but that sort of thing made it to where that person looked to her and she trained that person. And now we've got two awesome staff members, you know, so that's kind of been our approach, but we've quickly realized as we've grown. So when we were small, it wasn't that big of a deal, but now that we've grown and I don't even know all of our managers really well, I can't, to be a good leader, I can't just assume everybody's doing it right. And so we needed to create some sort of a platform or a process to make sure that we were having consistency across the board in emphasizing the cultural aspects we want and also the technical training aspects. And so um, you mentioned, Ricky, we've been working on a technology project, a learning management platform where we're going to be delivering content um, that can be all done digitally. And it's not going to take the place of that manager employee relationship that's got to be there. Um, but it'll help ensure a consistency across the board and help with communicating all the things that need to be communicated. And so if in our industry, we realize there's a dispersed staff. It's really hard to invest the time needed for training. And I don't care how well you try to do it. The customer's just not willing to pay for you to do all the kind of training you need to. Um, and so we had to find other creative ways. That's kind of the impetus behind that platform. And so we're, we're in beta testing mode. We've invested a ton of money in it. And 
I have a video team working on stuff and, uh, but we're about to start rolling it out to a few clients to try it out and we're trying it out internally right now. So yeah, man, it's, it's long overdue that our industry starts ramping up our game in terms of yeah. all these tools. No, nah, um, and, and it's, it's interesting you guys do cause it's like, cause I, I'm, you know, I've been there too where I was the trainer for my, you know, the first three, four years I would go on site, train the team, to what I thought was, you know, acceptable for the services that needed to be done. And then, but I, I always struggled until I found the right person to take over quality control, right? But you, you know, for, for the small business owners that are out there that only have five, 10, 15, 20 employees, it's hard for them to find that person. So that's why, you know, technology is key, right? Uh, Doc, you know, you go into the technical technicalities, right, of training is important because they've got to do it themselves. As an owner, as, as the, the business owner of, the, of your company, you've got to learn it first um, and we got to do everything we can to streamline the process. But man, I got to tell there is no magic to training, right? Like you, it's- Oh, I've got magic pixie dust. Yeah, like it's, it's, just, it's hard work, it's commitment, it's the people. Yeah. You know, and that's here's, where here's a couple of challenges that we saw and we're trying to, to figure these out. So, and I'd love to hear Doc's thoughts on this. Uh, I hope I'm not derailing the conversation, but <laughs> oh, training is training is the main topic. Yeah. Go for so, it. you know, one of the things there's a, there's a tension at play between all the things we think someone needs to know versus what will I give them that will, they will actually listen to and actually apply and learn and apply to the job. And so if I'm thinking, okay, I need to safety train them. And I go to look at OSHA for all the things I need to train them on. They're going to end up watching an hour or two hour long thing. And they're going to remember nothing. But if I go out and say, Hey, first week on the job, watch out for these three things, you know, don't put your hands down in a trash can to press the trash down, you know, don't try to lift the bag out without turning the cart over, you know, a couple of real, like they're going to remember that. Right. And if I have a good video that goes along with it. Uh, and so we're trying to deal with this tension of we've got to create stuff that people will watch and that they will actually learn and apply knowing that it's not the complete thing. And the manager's got to come along and supplement that slowly over time, but we can't hit a home run you know, on the first week, we just can't do it. We got to get them. They got to take a risk and just get them out there. You know, uh, I, uh, trying to navigate that. One of the things that I do, Jordan, is which you probably have already told can tell a little bit as I try to be comical, and humor definitely helps. And you know, I'm the only English-speaking white person in my entire company. Uh, most of my company is made up of. Uh, single mothers mm -hmm. and a lot of them are Spanish speaking. They're all from Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. So some of the things I've done to try to earn their trust is I've been teaching myself Spanish during this quarantine so that I can work with them. Uh, my two closest confidants within my company, uh, Marilise Alvarez Rosado, uh, who's my supervisor. Definitely. Um, she, she gave me something that says aim to inspire so that it's in my office. She says, every time, Hefe, which means boss. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, she goes, Hefe, this is what you do for me. You, you inspire me each and every day, and I, and I learn so much from you. And then uh, Sonia, who's my admin and my HR assistant, she is an amazing story. 
And when she came to the United States, she's taught herself English. She, she couldn't speak a lick of English. When she started working for me a little over two years ago, she probably knew about 20 English words and she's taught herself English. She doesn't have even a high school education and she spends so much time self-training herself uh, within her job on HR stuff. I've, I found her uh, a mentor and we have this service where it's another small business here in the Rochester market that does HR work. So she works with Herman to ensure that, you know, she, if she gets stuck and has any questions that she works with him. Um, and I do, I, I try to make things comical. And I, and I asked Ricky before the show started, if he had seen my little video of, uh, you know, the salt and pepper, you know, rap hit, uh, let's talk about sex. And I changed the lyrics to let's talk about germs. <laughs> and I'm sitting there shaking a, a, a partial gallon of hand sanitizer on one hand and a partial quart bottle of disinfectant in the other, standing in front of four cases of disinfectant and rap into the song the best I could. And I posted it. You know, I think my staff was a little bit more embarrassed for me, but you know what? That's part of how they learn. Yeah. And uh, they ask a lot of questions. So I, I try to keep things as light as possible. We, we all know that it's a very negative business. It's not like people call us up and say, hey, that's a great knot you tied on the bag last night. Yeah. Uh, we, we get the call for the one trash can out of a million that we missed, you know. I think you uh, believe you missed that trash can in the yeah. back office that nobody's been in for five months. And we finally put somebody, right? Yeah. That's what really happens, right? So I think that's what gives us then a good opportunity. I mean, I think you guys are nailing it where we got to add some, some flavor, some color, right? Some, some new age type of approach to things where, you know, Jordan, you're talking about video content. That's the future. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of seeing a two-hour OSHA video that I know my staff is not going to listen or watch. Let's make a 15-second clip. Why? Because they're used to, you know, 5, 10, 15-second Instagram feed stories or feeds. You know, they all, you know, social media is relevant. So how, mm -hmm. do we, how do we create training content like social media does, right? Or how you would do it in social media. Uh, Doc, you're talking about, you know, learning Spanish and, you know, having fun with it. Like, yeah. let's make training fun. Let's, let's make employee recognition fun. Yep. And I think owners of businesses have to, they got to do that, you know, or, or, you know, have a chief people officer, you want to call it. Have, you know, let's take, some, let's take some ideas from these technology companies that have great culture. And it's not that they, you know, they just have this great company. It's, they have somebody who's in charge of that. So I think business owners have to first do that themselves and then maybe assign somebody, but learn from, you know, there's these small companies here in Chicago. Uh, my buddy Saul has got this sick following, you know, shout out to him right now, but he's got a great social media presence that you could tell his employees live, breathe his brand, right? I, I got to believe that hopefully my employees do too, but you know, it's like, you know, if we, if we don't practice it, and I think that's a great, that's a whole other topic is that's another way to train better is, you know, have some fun with it. Let's not do a, you know, nothing against manufacturing, but, you know, I used to work at a corrugate printing company that I, they set me down for six hours to look at a training video. I could not tell you one thing that came out of there other than red is bad. Yeah. Red, red is bad. That's exactly, Ricky, you know, if you look at trends in, in advertising and marketing, like things that people like, so, I mean, you can't go beyond two, three, four minutes, five minutes 
for something, you know, cause attention, I mean, really it needs to be less than a minute for a lot of stuff, but if you're marketing, but, and then another thing, people are really wary of overdone stuff. So like in, in terms, if it looks overly professional, I think because we're marketed to and bombarded so much, like people are dying for authenticity. Yeah. The humor that you're talking about doc is perfect. Cause it's like, <laughs> they want, they want to see that you're vulnerable, that you're a little bit jacked oh, up. I'm vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more vulnerable than a, a white guy trying to rap. Yeah. Exactly. And actually, one of my friends commented, hey, y'all, like, you know, we, we, we got to, you know, we got to make this go virtual because, you know, he's brave. <laughs> but document something else. Like, if you look at your your client, or your, I'm sorry, your team members, and a lot of them are, are single mothers. And we think about, you know, creating a culture. And this is another aspect to the, our plat, the Clean Train U platform that we're working on is we want to be able to connect with those people. So you think about that demographic, like those mothers and the needs that they have. And we struggle with a turnover in our industry. One of the big things is people just don't feel connected. Like they just, they're out on a job site by themselves. They just don't get a lot of communication from us. And it's hard for us. And so like, if we can let those moms know that, hey, you're awesome. And like, we care about you and let us demonstrate how we care about you. Like, let's just make them feel like we're they're in our family here. Yeah. You know, maybe we can have a, a broader impact. They're not just pawns for us to make money with. Like they're people that we can invest in, you know, on many levels. We just got to figure out ways. And I think technology is great in that to be able to communicate. Yeah. So let's, I wanted to shift gears a bit here and, and talk about the topic that everybody's talking about right now, right? COVID-19, where I wanted what's to that? still, what's that? <laughs> what's that? <laughs> to still stick along the lines of training and operations, right, is what, like, you know, Doc said, 90% of your business, you know, stopped and paused. But would you guys share the same sentiment as me to say, this is probably the best time to look at your business, you know, work on your business, figure out certain things that you feel uh, you could improve on and execute on those. One for us is training. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we had a big meeting here for the Rosalato staff to just go over again, like clean versus disinfecting. We have got to shift towards disinfecting. And if we're going to, we got to train for that because a lot of the staff's not ready for that or you know, the customers haven't, you can't even say paid for that because now it's got to be like, it's, it's disinfecting or no, or no cleaning then, right? So that's some of the stuff that we're talking about, but what, how has COVID-19 affected like Jordan, your business right now and what, you know, what are the pros and cons? Because I, I have seen some pros come out of this. Mm-hmm. And to me, is the reorganization of, of our structure. So let's yep. start with you first on COVID-19 and your business today. Good question. Um, so our, you know, we've taken probably a 10% hit in total revenue. Um, and again, Doc, all that's location driven. I mean, if you watch mm-hmm. viruses, there's just hot spots for this virus. So, mm-hmm. um, and we're just... Oh, you know, don't. Don't feel bad, Jordan, because I've been able to work hard enough that we only have a 14% hit. There you go. Nice. Kudos. That's awesome, man. So, yeah. So, a couple things that come to mind. I think it's surfacing. Any crisis, like, brings to head critical issues really fast. So, like, you know, what we care about in life, what's important to us, you know. And also, it does the same in our businesses. So, a couple of things it's helped us think about is – the way as we think about strategically going forward, what do we want our client mix to look like? And so for instance, if you bet all of your apples in one industry with this, so like for instance, if you were a churches and schools kind of company, 
I mean, you're in trouble. You are in big trouble, right? Or, you know, and you can think of any number of industries. Um, hospitality, right? Yeah. And even so small, yeah, right, hospitality. So you, you begin to think about it, like, so being smart about how you diversify, I think is good. Um, so that's one thing that's helped <clears throat> illuminate for us some important things. Another one is, this probably is something that you're going to talk on, Doc, is just the strength of your relationships with customers. So number one, I think people are seeing the value of what we do more now than ever, which is it's exciting for us and our team. Um, but our ability to navigate a crisis like this oftentimes is largely a function of our relationship with the customer. So the fact that Doc is able to get customers that are paying him, <laughs> even though there's some things shut down, means that there was a really strong partnership there. And mm -hmm. so if those partnerships weren't there and those relationships weren't there, I think you could really get screwed in a time like this. So I think sometimes being number two is good. Yeah. Because when the other company struggles to keep their doors open with a time like this, then the next call is usually to us. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So a, a third one that has really come to mind, I mentioned Dave Ramsey earlier um, is being financially sound. Um, and so we are not promised tomorrow. <laughs> And we do not know what the future holds. Uh, and so we need to the best of our ability, we need to be good stewards of the money that we have and the people that we have to be ready. You know, it's kind of like grandma save the money for a rainy day sort of thing. So um, we were not quite in the financial position that we should have been in um, largely because of an acquisition that we did. But even then, our cash reserves weren't where they should have been and other things. And we're fortunate in that I think this is all going to, get back to normal probably sooner rather than later, at least for the sake of our businesses. Other ones, well, I think will still struggle, but, but I think going forward, we really need to clarify, you know, our cash position to make sure that we're ready um, for this sort of thing. So that, those have been a, a few things for us um, in terms of exposing weaknesses or strengths that we need to leverage more uh, going forward. Uh, okay. For us. No, oh, yeah, I, I definitely second second that the financial aspect. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's the, the, we crunch numbers. I mean, it was a number. It was we thought we were at some point, but this allowed us to really dissect and say, man, you know, if if, if the standard is you know three payrolls or six payrolls, you know, to having cash reserves, holy crap! Like I've got to readdress this because that's that's not the situation. You know, so I agree with that, man. That's, that's a big one. Doc, what about you? I wish, I wish all the, uh, the politicians would, you know, have more of a panel of people that are advising them about all this stuff. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. have a medical expert, but then let's also put the Small business. business. Hey, man, those single moms out there, like, <laughs> I got to do yeah. something. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Or, or better yet, they, they can have the answer, but. That's right. Yeah. And there's no easy answer. I'm not beating anybody up here, but it's, oh, no, no, I know. it's a lot more complicated, you know, because I feel responsible for all these people here. Yeah. Sure. Uh, are. Um, Doc, what I about you? I was very fortunate at the turn of the year, we actually picked up quite a bit of work. So we were starting to really trend upwards uh, with growth and everything else. But as we all know, when you take on new accounts, there's a lot of cash out laid up front because you don't know how soon you're going to get paid from somebody as well as um, just the new equipment that you have to purchase for a job. And we have to pay that usually in net 30. So 
you know, there was a lot of outlay cash right coming out of the gate as I picked up, I think it was like seven new accounts in the month of January. So, and then to have this hit, but they're also all companies that uh, were deemed essential businesses. So it's part of what we've been able to, to stay on top of. Um, other things that I looked at is Jordan says, you know, looking at our business portfolio and diversifying it more. We've uh, done a very good job of going in currently and working with some organizations that have their own in-house operations uh, because everybody's looking at how buildings are being taken care of now. And we offered sanitation services in the common areas so that their staff could work in all the tenant spaces where people were still working. And that there was no threat. They didn't feel like we were trying to come in and take over or anything. So it definitely has helped because in those particular buildings and their um, senior care centers, they, they are some of the few places in our local region that don't have cases of COVID yet. And there's a lot of assisted living and independent living facilities here in, in the New York state area that, that have huge amounts and in some counties, 100% of the deaths are in the senior living places. In the places that we've been doing this, there's, there's not just nobody ill or sick with it. Nobody's passed away. So I think it's a testament of, you know, where this industry is going to have to be. Um, the clients that didn't shut down, we offered some of them were like a two-day-a-week service. While the other three days, now we're going in and doing a, a sanitation to disinfection process uh, in their facilities. So we talked to a lot of our, our clients, like Jordan said, and, you know, we were able to do a lot more with them and they see the value too. Uh, actually the one client, he says, is a no brainer because when we hired your company, he said the amount of sick time that our staff was taking right after we hired you decreased over 60% the first year. And We've been there for, he was the second client I ever sold. So seven and a half years. Wow. And so he, he picked up the phone when coronavirus hit Washington state. I want you to, you know, come in here and do this extra service for me. You know, tell me what it's going to cost. He says, I don't know anybody else who knows that in Rochester and I need you to take care of me. Um, I've been called upon by some manufacturing firms that didn't have trust in their current cleaning service, said he didn't want to make a change with them, but has me coming in on their off days to do the, the disinfection and sanitation in between their cleanings with the anticipation will take over after this is, you know, gone through. So those are some of the things that we've looked at, as well as we're getting everybody on our staff trained uh, with the two-year cleaning certification through the ISSA on the basic side. Okay. So we're, we're having in-house training. I have a 1,200 square foot training room with all kinds of equipment and supplies and materials, training tables. Um, so it's a combination of using auditory, me talking. Uh, there's a lot of uh, slides and stuff like that. So their, their vision is being utilized, but we also do a lot of hands-on training. Okay. That, uh, and not just, here's a toilet, this is how you clean a toilet, but when it comes to understanding the science behind cleaning and what does it mean to make water wetter? So, um, you know, I can remember being in, in school 
like I said, the back back then it was like all black and white back then. You know, there was no color. <laughs> <laughs> so you would have a slide underneath a microscope with a bubble of water, you know, because it domes and that's the surface tension. So one of the things that I do in my training is I'll fill a cup that's clear with water and I'll float a paper clip on it because you can float and it has to be a metal paper clip. So you float this metal paper clip on it and then you dribble a little bit of hand, hand soap or even dish soap down the side. And as soon as it hits the water, that paper clip goes right to the bottom. And that's explaining how water is water because it took me a long time as even a college graduate to understand what, what does that mean? You know, how, water's wet. What do you mean make it wetter? And by reducing that surface tension allows the soils to emulsify off the surfaces. Man, you just, look at that. See, Jordan, this is why I do this. You just, I just learned something right there. I did not know that. You know, think about, you know, have you ever cooked um, scrambled eggs and the, and the eggs stick to the pan? Yeah. Okay. And what do you do? You try to scrub it out right away, right? Yeah. And you work your butt off, even with soap and everything else. But if you, if you put some water in that pan with a little dish soap, go eat your eggs while they're hot, and you come back, it wipes right out. Interesting. So that's all the science behind cleaning is okay. you've got to let the chemicals work. And when you're stripping a floor, even as a young man, when I first started learning how to strip a floor, everybody wants to get down that machine right away after putting it. It don't work that way. You've got to let the chemical. That was me. That was me. No, I'm saying that was me. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't even dilute the stripper. That was going to be. Oh, so, yeah. That's so the other issue. I, I was going to have, you know, we're going to talk about a funny story, everybody, at the end. But that was going to oh, be. Oh, I've my, got a great one. I didn't even dilute. I thought in my head, ah, oh, stripper. I'm just going to douse this floor. This floor is going to, BCT is going to come right off. I, I didn't dilute it. I just used straight stripper. Wow. You need the water to move <laughs> that the, the, the emulsified finishes uh, off the floor. Uh, and the BCT I, came off all right. It just came off. Uh, probably. He, he, he removed the adhesive. <laughs> Everything was gone. So, you guys, I wanted to, because we do have like uh, probably like five or ten more minutes here. I did want to touch on one more bit of uh, information as far as think of the small business owner now more than ever, too, because, you know, of COVID-19 and the, the pandemic that they're in. Not to say that it's not a good time to start a cleaning business, but if these small business owners are in their first or second year, uh, we kept talking about training today, right? Is uh, what is a tip or a, a piece of advice? And Doc, we'll start with you. You've touched on some stuff already. Where in this first second year, you know, somebody like me, I was always geared towards sales, 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 selling, 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 marketing, marketing, marketing. That's all I ever thought of. What what? What training tip or operations tip would you give a small business owner today as they're growing instead of just sales and marketing direction that most go in? Well, there's, there's a couple aspects to that, particularly with the change in our marketplace now. Um, you really need to understand what, what it is that we're doing and how we're doing it. That, that is key. And get yourself even some basic training, pick up some books, read them, videos, you know, invest in yourself because you, that, that money that you invest in yourself, you can turn a $1,000 class into a million-dollar company. So you have to invest in yourself. You have to believe in yourself. And, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't have to really, like, start this company in order to find a job, 
my best advice to anybody who is looking at starting a cleaning business from scratch would be to work another job concurrently so you have income coming in because the first probably three and a half, four years I owned the company, I didn't take any pay. You know, I put everything that came in back into equipment into getting an office building because I knew I couldn't work from home. Um, you know, so know yourself in that respect as well. And, you know, when I started hiring staff, they had to be paid. So, you know, and people, oh, how'd you do that? Well, I, you know, I had a spouse that worked in another field. So that's, that's kind of how it happened initially. Um, that, that would be my biggest advice. Try to work it congruent with something else, okay. you know, because, and put the money right back in it because, you know, you're not going to be a million dollar company overnight. It takes mm -hmm. work and a yeah. lot of hard work. And in the early days, I mean, I can remember at the end of the month having enough money for two stamps and I'd have three invoices that would have to go out. And I'd say, well, how the heck am I going to do that? And it's like, okay, well, on the way home, if I go here, I can go past this building, hand deliver this one, mail the other two and still have enough gas to do everything else I have to in the week. And again, talking about being humbled in this industry, collecting pop bottles and cans to make sure I had gas in my car. Oh, yeah. It is the humble beginnings of what Docs was. Yeah. And understanding that. And anybody that I hire now, none of them were here back then. They don't understand what it's like for the hard work that's been put in to get it to the point where I am now. Oh, yeah. But anybody who's starting that has to understand it's not going to happen overnight. And it's that hard work that you have to put in. You know, as I say, blood, sweat, and tears. And it's a hell of a lot more tears than the other two. Yeah. No, man, that's, that's, those are some, some strong words because it's, it is humility and it's, it's risk. You know, like I tell everybody all the time, I ate Jimmy John's and Dunkin' Donuts for the first two years, worked 18, <laughs> 20 hours. And they, they look at what it is today and they're like, oh, well, you know, you know, you grew fast. I'm like, yeah, but what about the first four years? Nobody's ever talking to me the first four years. Now everybody wants to talk, right? Um, Nobody wants that story. <laughs> oh, man, this is this, rough. I got a funny story after this, though. But Jordan, so in your case, right, is what, what's some advice? You know, I, we could go the family route, but just, again, because you've you said it. You've grown the business so many times over since where it was. What's some advice that, that you could give, I guess, to say, what if companies hit that plateau or, you know, I hit it, right? Is because you do, you hit an area where it's like, you, you know, you don't know what you got to do to change things. What's some advice for you to give to people that feel that they are stuck right now? Yeah, man. I'll, so you mentioned, so let's, let's do, let me mention something I think would apply to somebody that just started in the industry, you know, a year ago and they've yeah. got 50,000 a year in business or somebody that's stuck at a plateau of a million dollars. Mm-hmm you mentioned this low barrier of entry. So it's a good and a bad thing. So it's bad for me because so many people come and compete with me, <laughs> but it's good. It's great. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those American dream kind of industries. Like you can go in and, and pave the way. So anybody can, there's no barrier to you being a, a bigger company. And so if, if I had to start all over again, okay, and if I'm doing what Doc said, like I've educated myself, okay, just on many levels, like just communicating with a customer professionally in the industry, I could go in with no, you know, with one or two previous clients and go in and compete head to head with somebody that was a $10, 20000000 million company 
and do just as good of a job with them, you know, as, as them, assuming the job wasn't bigger than what my cash capabilities mm -hmm. can do. Uh, so, you know, I, I think people need to have the foresight to where they want to get to and start, you know, I'm not one of those, you know, speak it and then it'll happen sort of people necessarily, but like you can, you can say, Hey, I want to be at this spot here and start working to, to fill those shoes out of where you want to be. And so there's no reason you can't go in and have, you know, start developing a quality control program as small as it may be, or a, here's how we're going to deal with customer issues, or here's how we're going to train. Like there's no reason that, you know, $50,000 a year, you can't start doing that kind of stuff and selling it and competing on that level. And the same would go for someone that's stuck at a million dollars. You just need to broaden your vision of where you want to be. There's so many people that I talk to in consulting and they get, they're stuck somewhere. And it's like, I just want to pull them out of the, where they're at. And I want you just to get up above the clouds just to see where you can get to. Mm -hmm. They're just stuck. And so often it's a, a, a stuck in a vision of where I can be. And so, uh, you know, you said, you know, believe in yourself and what you can do and that sort of thing. I think I would probably phrase it differently, but I would just say, Hey, you need a, you need a map of where you want to get to. And then you just start doing things to get yourself there. And uh, you know, there's no reason that you can. And if you can't do some of the stuff yourself, hire somebody on your team that can. That's, uh, that's the number one thing I tell people is you, you just need to hire, hire the people, hire your weaknesses. I, I'm not great at accounting, hire an account, you know, a, a finance guy. I'm not great at HR, hired an HR person. And now you can leverage everybody's strong suits and skill sets to really take it to the next level. But what do you got to do? Doc, like you said, you got to pay for it. So, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've probably only given myself two raises in the last four years, you know, because it, it's got to go back. Yeah, it's got to go, <laughs> it's got to go back to the bit. If you care more about the business, if, and my biggest mission, you know, and I, I think you guys would agree is, create jobs. That's my number one thing. I want to create jobs for, for this, for my area, for my community is if I'm creating jobs, people are happy. If people are happy, I'm happy. That's it. Like I'm smiling when they're smiling. If I'm in a rut, they're going to be in a rut. You know, I feel like you guys are the same. Too. A few raises. That makes me feel good. What's up? I'm glad you, you mentioned you've only taken like two raises yeah, yeah. because I, I guarantee you if it, all the companies that are my size, I guarantee I'm the lowest paid CEO of all those companies. <laughs> but it's not because we're not doing well, but because, you know, I mean, it's just, you're right. You got to, you got to invest in the company and the people and they got to see it. So they got to see it. Writing me up in the wall street journal saying this greedy CEO. Yeah. <laughs> greed. Greed. <laughs> so, all right. So guys, to end this great conversation is a funny story. Um, and Jordan, we'll start with you. Funny story of you. Man, in, I was trying in to write my industry. brain about this. Um, I'm trying to think of things that were just really embarrassing for me. Uh, embarrassing's funny. Embarrassing's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so I had, so when I first joined the company in like officially, in 2007, I tried to grow into a new market, into a new geographic area. And we, our second, I think it was the, either the first or the second client I landed was like a little small ITT technical school. And uh, it was, I don't know, maybe two or $3,000 a month. I was pumped about the account. And uh, I mean, literally within, and the lady was so nice to me. And, and but literally within two months of starting the account, I hired this guy. And he locked his keys into one of the, his keys for the building in a room inside the building. And uh, he tried calling the supervisor and couldn't get a hold of him. And it was like, it was an account that had to start at like nine o'clock at night or 10. So I mean, it's like one in the morning, no one's answering their phone. 
And well, lo and behold, he was like, I've got to get these keys. So he just literally used force to bust down the door inside <laughs> the building and, you know, just tore up Jack to get <laughs> And then never told anyone. So the next morning I get a call from my client saying, Hey, one of your employees literally tore down the door in our building. Um, and I'm sure we all have a million stories of where, you know, staff has done things, you know, and, and he's, and he's probably like, well, Hey, I was trying to get the keys, man. I thought you would be happy. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I can't, you know, I can't like just, he was trying to do right. I mean, I don't know. And so I'm, I'm sure we all have a handful of those kind of stories. Oh, so I got to write a book on that stuff. One day. Oh, History is a gold mine for dude. good stories. So, <laughs> mu- so much behind the scenes. Doc, what about you? Oh boy. This, this is really going to put me out there and really embarrass me. So I worked for a very large commercial janitorial company, like I had told you guys, uh, right out of college. And they, because I had the college degree, they felt, hey, this guy's going to fast track up through the ranks, which I did. But it also meant that I had to learn a lot of things very quickly. So they put me on the floor crew. And they tried to teach me how to use a low-speed machine. And the first time we all use a low-speed machine, what happens? Well, you don't want to know, right? Yeah, you break that's you know you break the wall to the left, you break the wall to the right. Well, where do you guys know where the shutoffs are for urinals? No, but you probably found out because you were under the urinal. I took a urinal (laughs) off the wall in a college on the fourth floor. Oh my! This was back before cell phones. Okay, that's how old I am. Cell phones weren't even around yet. They had car phones, but not cell phones. And the facility manager couldn't get a hold of anybody. The boss, you know, the facility manager. By the time we got a hold of somebody, over sixty thousand gallons of water had flooded the the college. Oh my god! And Are I thought st- that I might lose my job. I didn't. Still, you didn't lose your job. I didn't lose my job because they're like, "What, what possessed you guys to have him train in a restroom?" And they said, well, because we didn't want him to damage the walls and the halls. <laughs> oh, so, so that's one of many, many. And yes, Jordan, like you, people tell me I should write a book. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, my ex-wife and I, when we started, you know, there was a four-inch uh, water pipe that burst in the ceiling that, in a school in the boys' room. And everything was hanging from all of the... the uh, acoustical tile ceiling and it was in the urinals and we know that you know the urinals this big but you know the drain that it goes down is only a quarter inch so we had to scoop it all out by hand and everything i have got a ton of stories awesome well guys it's been a pleasure thank Thank you guys so much for for uh you know i mean it's it's already been like an hour and 15 minutes here we could probably go on and on and on but i just didn't want i just I always forget to cheers in the beginning. So I want to end with the cheers to you guys. Thank you guys. Um, keep right. doing what you're doing. Uh, thank you for empowering this space and this industry. You guys are, are uh, people for people to look up to and, and get mentored by and ask questions, right? So what I want to end with was, Doc, do you have um, your LinkedIn tag or how does somebody reach you or follow you mm-hmm. to, to get any kind of questions? or? Well, some- LinkedIn is my name, Joel Craddock, and it's C-R-A- Double D's, O-C-K, no I, O, Doc. And uh, my website address is docs, 
DOCSFS for Docs Facility Solutions. So DOCSFS.com. Okay, awesome. Jordan, what about you? Yeah, uh, it's uh, Elite Business Coaching is a consulting practice that, uh, uh, that I run, and it's EliteBusinessCoaching.net. Um, is where you can find information about there. And then that training platform that we talked about earlier is Clean Train U, like just the letter U, like Clean Train University, cleantrainu.com uh, is a place where people can go get a little more info about that. Okay. So, and we'll be, we'll be including all that stuff on the, on, the, on the podcast and on the YouTube link. So people will be able to find you guys directly from there. Um, and again, thanks guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Much yeah, Rick, love and respect. Thanks. Thanks for all you do, man, for the industry and, and everything else. So I, I appreciate you, man, a lot. For sure. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you both. Peace out. Peace out. See ya. All right, guys.